24 teams, 10 days, 3 cities. Yes. All for the love of country. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why we're here. After the revolution, it won't be based on nations. It'll be, it'll be maybe some friendship groups or local local workers groups are going to be like forming their teams for the ATP Cup. When I think of love of country, I, you know, I don't think of like uh, a nation state, a political entity. I think of land. You know, I think of mountains and rivers and mm. you know the majestic beauty of of the natural world, that's country to me, so. Consulting my journal, my Tennis Tragic Journal, which, you know, someday, we, as we were discussing today at the tennis, might be discovered by... Um, archivists in the future. Yeah, well, archivists are the ones who manage the, the collection. Right, yeah, um, so... Uh, so there will be, like, you know, you have to imagine that there's going to be people who are really curious about the Tennis Tragic, and they... They've heard that the journals are kept in this in this place, and they go there, and they have to speak with an archivist, and the archivist, you know, so it's like, okay, wait. In the podcast libraries of the future? Yeah. Well, I don't think there'll be a podcast. Why not? <laughs> it's like the podcast Smithsonian. No, I mean, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I mean, there's a museum of television and radio in New York City. Um, that In college, I took a class on television because mm. I was that kind of student. Um, what? Wait, I don't get it. What kind of student? I don't know. The kind of student who t would take a class on, <laughs> on television. I was interested in media. I was a computer science student, so I, like, I only had so many electives. And, you know, like I took like some of my electives were science fiction and television. Very much in line with my interests. Mm -hmm. Perfectly yes. reasonable. But I wasn't like inter interested in, you know, exploring the classics, for example, or, mm. you know, music history. Things that I, maybe I would be interested in now, or history, mm. you know. Like my interests were maybe more surface level at that time. Um, but anyway, so I had to go to the Museum of Television and Radio, and uh, so perhaps someday there will be a Museum of Podcasts, yes. and uh, maybe it's a little bit more of a modest imagined goal to, to see the Tennis Tragic in the future Museum of Podcasts. Um, it's, not, it's not very modest. <laughs> 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 well, I, mean, <laughs> I think I started thinking along these lines because Alex you were um, I, you know like you have said uh, you said during the match tonight we were watching Stefano Tsitsipas play Nick Curious which was a really interesting match we'll talk about it and um, you know you've expressed that you know one of the things that bugs you about Steph is that he's said he wants to be the greatest you know he thinks he should be yeah it doesn't bug me. I'm not trying to say that people with ambition are silly or or I think negatively about that. But um, I don't know. Just to be 21 and, and being like, I want to surpass all the records. It's good, you know. And I want to be loved as much as Federer and, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, and he kind of does back it up on the court. But tonight, the thing that made me say that was the fact that he was melting down because he couldn't work out how to get past Kyrgios' serve and I think he was only melting down because of all of that that's in his head about mm -hmm. how great he thinks he is already and about how great he thinks he's going to be and then when he comes up against a problem that he can't solve he he melts down he just self-destructs because he's like I'm better than this I should be solving this I should be passing this and he that's I think that's what happened tonight yeah, yeah. I think there's an entitlement vibe 
mm. to his mm. personality. That's and the for word. some reason, like I just, it's like I have an infatuation with him. Mm. I just really enjoy his his energy and like the way he plays and you know he's one of my favorite players these days but mm. I don't know it was on full display he was a worse actor than Nick Kyrgios on the court tonight he was terrible hard to do. he was terrible I dislike both of them I used to really like Sitsipas but then now since he's got this chip on his shoulder and he's he's a bit more self aware of what he wants to be and doing everything I, I don't know something changed and anyway I, I don't really like either player but tonight Nick was Incredible. He played incredibly well. Yeah. His attitude was great. He stayed focused. He did, did some silly shots, but Sitsipas melted down in the first set. Just completely lost it. Completely lost his temper. What was, what was going on? So he first thing was he smashed his racket, hit his dad with his racket when he broke it. He lost He lost the tie break. And in the yeah, first set. Just, yeah, and just exploded. Mm. Yeah, so he like smashes racket against the side of the like coaching area, like the coaching box player team zone. Yeah, he, he slammed his racket into his team basically. It was pretty the, violent with all the players and his coach around and his dad around him. It wasn't like because they were trying to support him, and yeah, after that, Apostolos just went and sat back with the other players, not not down with um, with Stefanos anymore. Yeah, they have like this weird two tiered like living room structure set up for all of the teams. So, you know, on the on the lower level on the court, you know, basically on the level of the court, the you know, there's the coach or like, you know, whatever the, the current the like active mascot is, you know, they had Jill Jill Simone was handing out <laughs> the captain. The, the captain of the, the captain, right. Yeah. It's not necessarily the, the coach. Mascot. But it's kind of weird. The ATV Cup it feels like some of the players their their coaches are coming into the mix. And yeah. It's not it's always a- you know, clear who's running the show. Sure, it's a bit fluid. Sometimes some of the other players come right. down and chat to their their mate or their friend. Right. I kind of like the setup. Yeah, I think it's cool. It's nice, yeah. Yeah, and it's like, right, because it's got this dynamic because they yeah. can move around. And so it was really interesting that Apostolos, uh, Stefanos' father... And coach. Got, and coach got... It seemed like maybe he got hurt. He got dinged or something. He definitely maybe got because I think some strings snapped. Either the oh, either the frame, string, yeah, either the okay. frame or the string when it snapped, got him in the arm quite badly. Like he walked off holding his arm. It was either bleeding or bru- bruised pretty badly. And then he so he sat sat back up with the rest of the team and just bailed on Steph, and left him to his own devices until his mum eventually came over to Apostolos and just. By the looks of it, said you got to go down and talk to him. You can't just abandon him. Yeah, yeah. Because we were saying um, Apostolos has abandoned his son, and and Stephanos is sitting there with his arms in the air. Father, why have you forsaken me? <laughs> yes. Yeah, he was looking uh, pretty lonely out there. Yeah. For but then, minute. so shortly after that, I didn't see it. You saw it. Yeah. Apostolos delivered the new, the the bad news that it was <laughs> that Leighton Hewitt oh. was actually. Actually, Stefanov <laughs> Sitsipas' <his> father. <laughs> Stefanov's Leighton Hewitt is your father. No! No, it can't be true. We learned a little bit about the Sitsipas family heritage. He has two mothers, apparently, and they're allowed to stand courtside, you know, like kind of like Greek goddess statues. They were wearing these really lovely, long dresses, yeah. like, looking very striking standing there but yeah they played a role in this family drama mm. um one of the two mothers <laughs> like, the younger mother <laughs> like, 
no, we've lost it. <laughs> where, do, where were they sitting? Because I only uh, saw ever saw them standing. When everyone, a lot of people bailed after the second set, and then there were a lot of free seats, and they just sat down near where they were standing. Ah. But so, okay, so after he smashed the racket, though, really shortly after, a couple of points later, he was, it was advantage Kyrgios. So Steph was almost carving out a break point, one of the few in the match. And it was Juice, and he missed a serve or something. I don't know, it was a short point, I think. That's right, yeah. And then he smashed a tennis ball at his coach's area. Really, this is like only a few points after the meltdown. It wasn't too bad, but it was definitely hitting the ball in anger. Yeah, and copped a point penalty, so lost that game straight up because it went. It was on juice, that happened, so it was on advantage Kyrgios. And then at that point, just before that point was played, he smashed the ball into the coaches, lost that game. Yeah, almost, almost one of the few break points he carved out, but he, he let that go. Yeah, so he was in a real bad mood. Yeah, and he like at one point he kicked a ball into the stands mm. after he had mm. lost that he had had that point penalty, which did cost him a game, and somehow that got off scot free. Like that was unpunished, mm. and uh, yeah. So as you were saying, and I was being like, you know, I was taking my anti Twitter stance because like apparently the Twitter like the tennis Twitter world is you know talking about how he should have defaulted by the rules. I admit that, you know, if, if you, like, if you perform an act of violence with your racket and it touches somebody in the stands, that is supposed to result in default. Like, yeah. But so it's I, a bit different because it's your own team. Yeah, well, this is... Uh, yeah, I kind of wondered up on about that. Right. And it's also, like, I, I actually wonder if maybe the reason that his dad kind of retreated was to kind of hide it. I think know? it might have been a part of that. Yeah. But this... Someone on, yeah, one of the one of the tennis Twitter people has gone into the rules and is he he was very critical of Mohamed Layani for not defaulting Steph at that point. Um, yeah, he let the match get away from him. But he has <laughs> great umpire Mohamed Layani. Is he? But okay, you know we're fans of the drama, and I loved that match was really compelling. And um, part of it was because, yeah, Steph was melting down, Nick was mostly under control, but had, you know, was showing some antics, the crowd was really partisan, there were Greek people chanting in the corner incessantly and trying to fuck up Nick Kyrgios' serve, and it was just like, it had, a, it had a fire to it. And like, if that match had ended after the first set, you know, like... Yeah, it would have been a major letdown for yeah. everybody. Okay, so the guy who was critical and then started to walk back some of his criticism on Twitter has um, posted uh, how yeah. his name is Oleg S is his handle <laughs> Oleg S okay. uh, yeah. shout out to Oleg and so anyway he's gone in and found the rule and here's the rule physical abuse players shall not at any time physically abuse any official opponent spectator or other person within the precincts of the tournament site for purposes of this rule Physical abuse is the unauthorized touching of an official opponent and spectator or other person. Violation of this section shall subject a player to a fine of $20,000 for each violation. In addition, if such violation occurs during a match, the player shall be penalized in accordance with the point penalty schedule. Okay, well, I think the key word there would be unauthorized because Apostolos could say, no, no, I authorize this. <laughs> yes, it hurt this... Um this racket hitting it's part me, of the but, process but yeah it's it's authorized part of it. it's within mm. the team environment mm. like we accept it mm. kind of. i also didn't hear like the word teammate or coach and all of that it's it's like any player within the precinct player like, official or any other person any, did it say person i think it was official spectator player 
Do or any other person. Or other person. Yeah, you're right. Or other person. Okay. So, so anyway. Anyway, but this is the thing. So I'm glad we got to see that entire match. It was great. It was great. Uh, it was really great. It was like we saw high level tennis. It was dramatic. Three three tiebreak. Uh, three tiebreakers, no breaks of serve, and still was like a really entertaining match. And Curious won in the third set on this, you know, passing return shot that was pretty great. Mm. And he celebrated mm. warmly, and they had a nice exchange at the net, and it was like it was nice. felt good, you know, like yeah. eight six or seven five in the sorry. in the breaker. Um, five, I think it was seven five. Yeah, uh, might have been eight six. I think it was eight yeah. six. Anyway, it does well. I'm barely paying attention half the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, usually, apparently, Matt, yeah, Matt and I are just doing our, like, Star Wars, uh, Alex D. Menor, uh routine. <laughs> Which, Alex, D. Alex D. Menor was the original Luke Skywalker. He found out, no, Clayton <laughs> Hewitt is his actual father. But somehow, when Apostolos abandoned... Stefano Sitsipas. It opened up the door for Leighton Hewitt to actually be Stefano Sitsipas' father. Right. That was the real twist. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's obvious that Alex Dimonor is Leighton Hewitt's love child. Yes. And that Leighton Hewitt... It's like they, they play the same style. They're like the same... They're basically... It's just like the, the millennial version of yeah. Leighton Hewitt. Yeah. And, you know, they obviously love each other. And it's just like steep in their DNA. And, um... But it is, it is also obvious that Leighton Hewitt is Darth Vader. <laughs> Yeah, as far as Australian tennis is concerned. So, um, I mean, he could be Anakin, like, kind of pre-accident. No, he's, no, he's, 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 he's of the dark side, for sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not disagreeing. We can't say I was ever a Leighton Hewitt fan. Um, no. Yeah. Oh, as soon as, like, yeah, anyway. Yeah. Let's well, say about Leighton Hewitt, and we've said a lot. <laughs> the better. <laughs> well, he's just like he seems like the sort of guy who just can't quit the sport, right? It's like he's just gonna be. He's gonna. He has to be competing. So he's like. So that's why you know he'll be a coach, and you he's know, still got a doubles rank. I think he currently has a doubles, a doubles ranking. ranking. So he yeah. played some doubles this year. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's, well, he's ready year. to sub in. He probably wants to sub in. Yeah. It's like Nick, if you can't go, we'll just <laughs> yeah. let me know. Um, so so him um, practicing with his son today. So, uh, that wasn't the only good match we saw today. I want to ask you guys about the women, because I only got to see a little bit of the women's uh, matches today. I was a part of Kiki Burton's and Diana Yastremska. But you guys were able to come by the grounds a little bit earlier. Mm, we saw it was Osaka and... Um, Sakari. And Sakari, yeah, which was a good matchup on paper and a good matchup in reality, yeah? Yeah, it went three sets and it was like... There were some distinct momentum shifts. I think Osaka played really well in the first set, kind of dominated, and then, but Sakari was there. It was you know at a similar level, and then early in the second set, Osaka got a bit down on herself. Didn't she, she did. I wasn't too engaged with the match. It was a bit too much of a baseline slog fest for me. Mm. There wasn't much variation. It was very, it was very just baseline, really hard, low forehands. Some nice slices and stuff. I don't know. Did you? No, yeah, I didn't love the match. There wasn't much all-court play. There wasn't much drop shots, volleying. There wasn't much mixing it up. It was just mm. smash a serve in and let's slog it out until someone misses every point, mm. almost. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Where were you guys sitting? Uh, we were sitting side of court behind the umpire to the umpire's left. Yeah. Quite, a, quite a way back in the stand, sit, 
escape the sun. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I feel like that kind of baseline tennis from the sideline can become really deadening. You know, they yeah. just like they never seem to move because you don't get that sense of depth. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's different aspect when you see live tennis from the sideline. You get a, you get a different sense of the speed of the ball, and like there are some nice things about yeah. it. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I went to get Alex's coffee and mine, I I'd stopped by Yulia Put. Putin Sabers and um, Donovakic, and I kind of wish we saw that match instead. Yeah. Because that went three sets. Somehow Putin Saber took it out in the end. She didn't look like she was down a break in the third set. Mm. Um, but I just saw a, like a sort of a glimpse of Yulia, and she is little, and she's um, seems like a bit of a character, and she was upset with herself at one point, and she. Threw her racket down, not badly, but just put it down and then kind of clenched her fist and said, and why? You, yeah. you got all of that in like a, just a brief visit. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally Yulia Putinseva. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was pitching you guys on that. That was like my pick. I was like, yeah, you should go see Yulia because she's, she's kind of batshit and I love her. Yeah, But you can understand like Naomi Osaka, Maria Sakari. Right. Or, like, yeah, that sounds... Yeah, it sounds like it was... I mean, and it looked, you know, from the scoreline, kind of looked like it would have been a compelling match. Yeah, no. Nah. We weren't happy. Like, we left that mm-hmm. match. I think we were like... We're it's kind of down at having spent hours of our lives sitting down <laughs> watching this thing that wasn't that great. And so we went over and... Um, Went to the serve machine <laughs> and took it out. Took out. We have some big thing. news actually. Matt Rochford holds the world record for the fastest serve ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah no many, kidding. How many kph did you get? Seven hundred and twenty. It's real. I wish I had a video of it. <laughs> it was so good. Everyone was just like, we looked at the clock. Uh, it just said seven twenty. Obviously, it was a glitch. But I like, I um, pretended what? like. <laughs> yeah. I just said, yeah, yeah, that's my flat serve. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was very funny. I wish, yeah, I wish I had, had a picture of that. My Should have taken knelt down behind the <laughs> <right there>. <laughs> <laughs> thumbs up next to the seven twenty. Yeah. They could they could put a plaque in. Here. Yeah, <laughs> it's like at Wimbledon when you go see where Isner and Mahout. Oh, is Mahout. There a... <laughs> Isner and Mahout, where they played their seventy sixty eight in the fifth uh, match at Wimbledon. There's yeah, a plaque. Is there? it's like. Photos of them standing there, and Isner's looking like happy and extremely tired, and Mahu is just like looks like he wants to jump off a bridge. <laughs> but I love that Mahu has had a great career. We got to see him this yeah. week as well, play a little doubles yesterday. So yeah, I mean, this is like like we're just warming up here. Mm. I mean, the thing about live tennis, and I guess all live sports, is you don't know what you're gonna get. Like you could think on paper, like oh, we're gonna see Djokovic, and you know, and. And Naomi Osaka and those matches are going to be amazing. And it just, I don't know, sometimes they're flat. Yeah. Sometimes they're not that exciting. Djokovic was pretty great yesterday. He, that atmosphere in there was great. Yeah. The Serbia versus France tie. Um, so what were the matchups? It was Benoit Paire and... Paire and Lajevic. Yeah, and Lajevic really kind of won me over a yeah, little bit. Yeah, I like that guy. We yeah. came in maybe halfway through and it was a, it was a great match. Uh, Pairs had a bit of a moment as well. Yeah, as he always yeah, does. Yeah, like it's like 
it's like a shtick. Yeah. I mean, I remember him sitting down. I don't know. Was he up break or was it on serve when we got there? We got he, there in the second won, set. Yeah, he'd won the first set like six two something. Yeah, easily. it seemed like he was cruising, and yeah. Yeah, I remember him sitting down in the in the French luxury spa zone, and he you know crossed his legs like I'm doing now, as all you podcast listeners can see. Um, and he <laughs> it's just one said, leg over the other at a right angle. You know, but I'm like I'm sitting kind of upright and you know, at attention because this is a very important moment in my life. And Benoit Paire was just like... He's a little more reclined. Just so... He's just got... He goes from like the most casual guy around to like thermonuclear in yeah. no time. It's kind of wild. So we're watching this Benoit Paire dushan Lajevic match. And uh, Paire has his meltdown and, you know, smashes a racket and is throwing bottles. And all of a sudden this guy in front of us yells out, Hey, Fergus Murphy, this is the third time this week you've lost control of the match. So, Matt, you talked to this guy, Tony, about uh, his public call-out of Fergus Murphy. He feels like the umpire failed Benoit's emotions. Yeah, you got a, a, like, uh, a sort of a window into Tony's perspective on how other people should behave. Like, an umpire should be like really controlling the match and not ever like let like you know let um you know external factors kind of impinge upon the the integrity of the match it's very yeah. important it's like the most important thing that an umpire can do whereas i would argue an umpire is just there to kind of facilitate and like kind of stay out of the way like you know molayani i do i love him because he's just such a character you know we were making fun of his gestures today and he's just like and that's tony's go-to as an example of an umpire who does control the match very well yeah he he manages to do both right like he he keeps the thing his finger on the pulse of the match and calls it like it is for the most part but not you know i was joking that he kind of did lose control of it a little bit because you know, Kyrgios hit a ball into the stands but didn't get penalized for it. Mm-hmm. And then also there is this argument that maybe, you know, Stefanos deserved another penalty at a, you know, at a different point. Um, because, so, yeah, which... It's a little inconsistent tonight. Mohamed Leani should have, just for the state of, um, you know, everything looking above board, should have... He did that equally. Yeah, he yeah. should have um, reprimanded Kyrgios... Because he'd already favoured him in a US Open match. Where he said, Nick, yeah. I love you. You're great for tennis. Please, why are you doing this? I want to help you. And tried to give him a pep talk during a match. Which he... Mohamed Layani copped it for that, didn't he? He, yeah. got, he got a fine. He or did. And I think if he wasn't Mo Layani, I think he was, if he was a lesser known... Suspended. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there was some kind of punishment for it. But I, that's the thing. I was surprised he was doing a Curios yeah. match tonight because they have this history. It's like they don't, they're not going to let What's-His-Face do Serena Williams matches anymore. Bring back Damien Steiner. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what I'm saying. Damien Steiner is a guy who's like le- lesser known umpire who, you know... Great made some mistakes and uh, you know spoke improperly for what people think an umpire should do. Yeah, like, he, he, like, he gave I, an interview, didn't he? Gave he gave interviews, yeah, yeah. because I, yeah, he had a certain level of fame. And it's like, you know, did he did he compromise the integrity of matches? I mean, you really you don't know that. It's because it was outside of the match environment. Whereas, yeah, um, Molayani 
happens to just be like one of the more noticeable and popular umpires. So it's like, ah, we kind of give him He a seems, break. I love him. <laughs> I just love him. Yeah, because it's, uh, that's the thing. He, he also, I don't ever get the sense that, I mean, the curious example notwithstanding, I don't get the sense that he's like determining the outcome of a match with a bad call. And he is entertaining. And I, I you know, I don't know. I guess I'm of two minds of it about it because he just, we don't go there to see the umps, you know? No, it's but like... we were speculating that if we sort of took him, his counselling of Nick Kyrgios to the next level and had it so that right. umpires could speak to players and calm them down and right. maybe say, hey, do you want a little time out? Do we, do we need to have a chat? Yeah. We can go in the back and just like, you know... We'll no, it had to be on court. Had to be on court. On court counselling sessions. Like, like, yeah. Everybody gets to listen. Yeah. Yeah, okay. You know, um, yeah. I, I think, like, mental health is really important for pro- professional athletes, and we've witnessed a number of these tennis stars, like, lose their minds this week. In two days mm. of live tennis, we saw multiple people yeah. throw tan- adults throw tantrums, you know. You know? And so, anyway, Lajovic was... Lajovic kind of... I didn't really give him much of a chance in that match. But he scrambles player. well. Mm. Yeah. He was a really, he's scrappy. He's got that, mm. that scrappiness that, you know, when you see it live, you know, he just, he wouldn't give up on that match, even though he probably, you know, just on skill alone was, you know, is the inferior player. But mm. he, yeah, he stuck in there and pushed it to the third set and Pear lost his top and smashed some rackets and did his whole thing. Threw, threw a bottle. Threw, yeah, threw bottles, multiple bottles. He threw multiple. a water bottle out and then Gil Simon handed him a new one and he threw that out as well. Oh, like, yeah. it was like a baby throwing rattle out of the, the cot, you know. <laughs> Thanks, Gil. I'll throw that one to you. Yeah. <laughs> it was weird seeing Gilles Simon, like, handing the towel to Benoit Pair. Like, it seems something about that dynamic seems strange. Yeah. Like, almost disrespectful. I, but, of course, like, why do, does it have to be a child or a rack? I know you're a big towel rack fan. I'm a big towel rack fan. I feel like they haven't implemented it well yet. They tested it out on the, on the next gen, but they put the bloody towel racks in right in the corners so it took ages to get to and no one used it. There needs to be a uh, towel rack right in the middle so people can use it between points and it's, it would be the best. Maybe there should be a towel rack robot. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. And it just like rolls onto court. Alexa, bring me the towel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, is there an Alexa here? Yeah. yeah. There is, we activated it. Yeah, by accident. I want to go back and hear what we talked about then. What, what did we say that turns it on? <laughs> Anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. Well, if we go back and listen to it, we can yeah. find out. But it's speaking of towel racks, Nick, the human towel rack, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, the human towel rack, <laughs> yes, curious. Right. He always he has it. He carries a towel in his mouth all the time, and he just looks like a human towel rack. It's an interesting character trait that he decides to carry. Is I'd never noticed this before. I thought this was like a nude Nick. No, thing. all the time, all the time. You know, there's a lot to learn about Nick Kyrgios. He's a complicated person. But yeah, the rest of that France-Serbia tie, it was hugely pro-Serbia in there, and it was a great atmosphere. Djokovic came out and played Monfils. Briz, pretty good dynamic match for the first set, and then it kind of settled into a pretty methodical match. It wasn't for, too Djokovic. for Djokovic. Yeah, yeah, and a flat match. Like he, Yeah, Monfils competed well at the beginning, but... Seemed to have some injury issues like he always does. Yeah, and he's had an arm problem. His arm was all taped up and just did the. He just always seems out of gas. But you know, he finished number 10 in the world last mm. season. He's a great player. He just. 
I mean, he's now 0-16 against Djokovic, and that has to become Ooh. mental. Ooh. Ooh. Can we play a sound effect where you can yeah, say 0-16? Yeah, let's put it just we're going to paste in an ooh. Ooh. Yeah. It's just like 0-16. Oh, like, yeah, I would rough. quit. Yeah. I would throw in the t- I'd just be like, you know, it's not worth playing anymore. It just also, you just, I was saying this because I feel like I've seen that matchup just enough times where I don't believe. So I watch it, and I, you know, I was trying to talk myself into it. Like, come on, Gael, like you got this. This is the time. Like, yeah. it's just it's gonna happen now because does this match doesn't really mean that much. You could take it. Yeah, it's there for you. And he had break points in I think three games in the first set or something. Like he definitely had chances. Yeah, and I'm just thinking like Novak's like I say match points against Roger Federer at Wimbledon <laughs> on his serve. Like I can do whatever the fuck I want against this guy, <laughs> right? So, yeah, and then he came out and backed it up in doubles. Yeah. Played with Viktor Troitsky, for Troitsky uh, against Mahu, who we're talking about, and yeah. Roger Vasselin. Yes, uh, that was a really fun doubles match. I've had a couple. I've watched a couple of doubles matches and really enjoyed them mm. this week. Um, Tsitsipas was in another one that I watched on TV the other night, and that was great. Mm. But, yeah, even uh, Alex is coming around on doubles. Yeah, that's true. I'm a slow, slow convert to the doubles, but I, it's really exciting to watch. I want to play more doubles. Mm. I don't really play much doubles. I'm getting my volleying up. I reckon I want to get. Mm. I want to get involved in some doubles. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I'm, I'm a convert. We're we're having discussions about the, the truncated scoring system of doubles and how we think it should be get the same respect. But then after watching two singles matches while we're watching the doubles, we're all like, actually. A quick doubles match is all yeah. I really can stand right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> because I want to go home. Yeah. And go home at like 1, 1 a.m. last night. Yeah, I, I don't think... I, I don't know that I'll ever warm up to no ad because I just feel like it's against the, the kind of push and pull of tennis. But I'm totally fine with the third set being replaced by a match tiebreak. That's okay by me. I think um, I agree with that. You know, that's just a shortening of the match. That just makes it like a two and a half set match, basically. Yeah. Um, but no ad just, just feels wrong. Like, you know, it just changes the whole balance, the dynamic of an individual game. I'm not, not a fan. Yeah, totally. I agree. Um, you'd never get that like real, like, cause it, it, tonight's match was actually a really good example of this. We didn't have very long games, but at, throughout the match, like the match started and the first like eight games were over in 13 minutes or something. Yeah, this is Greece, Greece and Australia, right? Curiosity yeah, and Yeah, Curious and Tsitsipas. And then, like, at some point, um, you know, they kind of got their teeth into each other's games a little bit, and that was kind of, that was what was really engaging to me about it. One of the things, you know, it just, like, suddenly, you know, you'd have a deuce, or, and, like, mm. late in the match, they mm. both had chances on each other's serve. And so they just kind of were scrapping away at each other, and just, the, the games were getting tighter, and, you know, like without Deuce, it's just it just feels like one unlucky hit, yeah. and mm. suddenly a game is over. You know, like yeah, it's uh like there's something about um, the unique scoring system in tennis, which means it's difficult to win a game um, when it's close. Right. You have to win those two points in a row at the end. Yes. But you don't when there's well, there is it's still Deuce, but it's. Juice deciding point. Yeah, like a sudden. Yeah. They still call it out as juice, and that's how. But it's a deciding point, and it's advantage for either player, and the, the receiver gets to choose which court they'll receive the ball yeah. at. Right. Well, which, which which player receives? Right. Which player? Yeah. yeah. So whether it's going to go Joke. to the ad or the juice. <laughs> yeah, Joe. <Joke> <laughs> <Rich>. uh, <laughs> 
not Troitsky. Um, Although Troitsky played really well. Troitsky played great, but yeah. I'm saying Djokovic is one of maybe yes. the greatest yeah. returner of all so time. Of course, yeah. you would, so, but that makes him a really interesting doubles player. He's totally. very, very good. But yeah, just as a side note, Troitsky actually had an amazing game. He yes. carried a lot of points and dug them out of some holes, and he was really good. I, I really enjoyed watching him play. Yeah, especially against Mahu and Roger Vaseline, who are noted doubles players. They actually, and they, I think they've combined a bunch of times, probably for different yeah. Davis Cup, France. Like, they're actually more doubles, way more double specialists than the other two were. What about the video review of the invasion? Oh, I forgot about that. That was really that was that was pretty fun. It's that was to me one of those cases where like something really mundane and procedural like, <laughs> uh, amped up the drama. Yeah, big sudden. time, yeah. big time. Um, yeah, so there was a. France returned a, a shot and it was going to maybe just get over the net uh, and it was going to be awkward if it dropped too low so close to the net it was going to be really awkward so Djokovic was there he took it early but took it a bit too early and made contact on France's side of the net and so France used the video review system which is in place for for the ATP Cup so everyone stopped and everyone was booing France already at this point for stopping play. It was, it was getting to almost match point, I think, or getting close to the end. Uh, and then it was Fergus Murphy, right, I think, and had to put on the headphones, put on, watch his little screen. They replayed it a few times and he did. He, he, you know, he zoomed he, right in. Yeah. And yes, sure enough, there was a little bit of Djokovic's hand and they had gone over the net it hadn't touched the net but he no yeah he made he, contact over the net with yeah. the ball yeah I didn't I yeah, he made contact know that that was the rule I, thought, I knew you couldn't touch the net but it felt like because what happens if like a ball bounces a ball can physically bounce on your side of the net and then spin back well you better get it before it spin's back <laughs> you know, otherwise what otherwise what you just you can't don't. make yeah, contact no, yeah. yeah see I think it's a I think it's a dumb rule um, but I think it was interesting because it was like Look, France had lost that point. The ball was just sitting there on top of the net yeah, that's the for Djokovic to put away as like a procedural matter. Yeah. But, and but then actually they won it on a technicality, yeah. and that was just like this is not how the sport, the game should be decided. Yeah, like, I guess the 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 in practice the way it could have played out if he hadn't have done that is that the ball could have he might have had to let it bounce and then. Picking it up from there, basically, low bounce. yeah, basically against the net, it would have been really hard shot, difficult shot. Yeah, so there's two, yeah, two sides. I, I kind of agree with you, but it was a, yeah, it was an unpopular call in the very pro Serbia stadium. <laughs> I, I felt very fancy about who I wanted to win. Like I didn't really care all that much, and that was late in the match, late in the tie. Yeah, You know, yeah, I was more enjoying the play and. So that just that just flipped it for me, and I you know I really like Nicolas Mahu, and just thought it was re- it's not very sports not very sporting not very sports person like yeah. you know like I think it's just like hey like I didn't play the point well enough to win but I'm gonna take the point anyway. No, I I disagree. I think mm-hmm. like it, yeah like some it was a return that they just got a piece of, and sometimes you get lucky on those. I've never seen anybody ask for a video review of Invasion, court Invasion. Well, there's not... reviews new. Yeah, that's the thing. It's only being used on Next Gen, I think, and and here. I I think that's it. I am pro, for the record, pro video review because it's great for some calls for 
it's good for using it if to see if a out call happened before the player hit the ball to see whether yeah, it put them off good, and stuff like good. that. It's good for double bounces. I've seen it used in next gen. Fergus Murphy had to use it for to see if a ball hit the roof or not. Like if someone lobbed it so high and it came down and Fergus was like, I hit the roof, it's, it's done, the point's done. And the player reviewed it to see if it actually made contact with the roof or if it was just a really high lob and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it it's can kind be, of places. Yeah. 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 I yes. just like, I mean, but that's always the thing with video review. What calls is it good for? Like the over the net. Well, I think that just brings that particular strange rule into the question because people, I don't remember ever seeing that called. Fergus Murphy should have just called, called it. Called it um, I've never heard it called before, but he should have said something like court invasion um, point to France mm. or whatever. Yeah, it's funny that it's called court invasion. Yeah. Like crossing the Maginot line or something. But it, it lit a fire in that, in that room, in that stadium. <laughs> yeah. It really did. It it's great. all it takes. This is the thing. Like, all it was was just like a cleanly played match between a bunch of professional, high quality tennis players. Like, that's not enough. Something yeah. you need yeah. a little that's why extra we, spice. We don't enjoy it. That's the Osaka Sakari match, and we didn't enjoy right. it. Yeah. Um, we enjoy, like, I really enjoy the human aspects like that. Like, should it was it sporting to ask for the video review there? And also, like, the crowd getting involved. Like, tonight. There are Australian fans saying, singing, you know, Aussie fans in the stands. If you hear us, clap your hands. And stuff like that. And just getting really nationalistic. And then a lot of Greek fans going out, you know. Um, yeah, just mumbling. For, and for Elas. And they had like better chants than the Aussies, they did. I think. And like, some clever, timely ones. Yeah. They, they mocked the Australian crowd for being very silent. At some point, the, the radio PA died. And, like, strangely, the entire audience got quiet for the next five minutes. It was like, like without all that ambient noise happening between, you know, like every time an ace is served or, like, in between, uh, like, during changeovers, people are just like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, So, yeah, so the, the Greeks were... The Greeks were more fun than not, but also a little irritating after, like, some of, them, of some of them were. There was a, there was a group <laughs> at the back that would be a laddie. Michael Pervalorakis versus John Millman. We came in thinking that was going to be really one-sided. And we were kind of late to that because we were watching something else, weren't we? Uh, or we getting were, dinner. We were getting dinner. We were watching the women? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we watched this random women's match. Um, not random. Uh, no, yeah. Uh, Burton. Yeah, that's right. And, uh, <laughs> random. <laughs> well, it was random in the sense there wasn't like a plan. Yeah, no, totally. But uh, yeah, like that match finished. There was like end. We arrived and there was an injury and it took forever to get where we were going. That's and, right. Um, and yeah, so we did come in a little late and it was Pervalorakis was already up a break. Yeah. For a set and we're like, oh, well, this is interesting. Here we go. Yeah. And. Um, the crowd was heavily pro Aussie. I mean, Millman is just come on. I mean, everybody loves Millman. He does. Everyone. He gets he, he gets on everyone's good side. He's everyone's got respect for him. Everyone kind of loves him. He's pretty unique in that way. I think. Yeah, he's perfect, and I don't hate him for it. It's yeah, strange. yeah. I mean, he's not perfect. Like part of his perfection is that he's not like a great player. He's just like a guy who does everything right, 
he's handsome, he's, you know, he's charming, he's smart. He does, like, uh, commentary for some of the Australian channels sometimes. Yeah, I'd like to hear some of that. Out of the tournaments early, which happens, you know. Yeah, <laughs> which happens. Yeah. And, uh, and he's sometimes. great, he's great. Yeah, he's really, like, I've, and, you know, obviously he's not doing that professionally yet, but yeah. he's, you know, I'm on the pod. That, yeah, I'd love to. I think he would be up for it. Yeah, yeah. But we gotta, we gotta meet him. And, uh, we almost met him. Matt and I saw him practicing before the match and yeah, hitting some returns. And he was smashing some returns on the warm up. It was really, really good to watch. We were just standing right beside, right behind the baseline. Yeah, the, the warm up area was like below this catwalk, so we, we got to watch Milman do some hip stretches, you know, before the game. Sometimes they'll show the video of like the guy in the tunnel doing like some yeah. pre-game warm ups. And uh, yeah, so we, we caught a little bit of that. That's the live experience for you. Earlier, we saw Ash Barty playing cricket in that warm up area. Oh, yeah. Well. Yeah, doing a bit of French cricket. French cricket? What's French cricket? So you stand in the middle, uh, and there's a, a circle or a semicircle of people around you, and they throw the ball at you, and you just hit it back to them. And I, I think, what's the goal? I don't even know how you get out in that. I don't really, I haven't played it before. Well, I think traditional French cricket, which you actually wasn't playing, is like your legs are, are the stumps. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I think she was more like hitting slips catches to her mates. Right. Yeah, it's a, well, it seems like what we were talking about last night where, you know, maybe sport doesn't always have to be goal-oriented or, you know, about defeating somebody else. I mean, it can just be the act of play. You mean... Hit a ball around. It's like it's like when, you know, in, in the States, you know, we get a baseball, take our gloves out, just throw a ball around. Mm. I love that. Yeah. It's, it's just the joy of play. Yeah. So anyway, back to competition... <laughs> Herbal Arrakis put on a freaking show and I was really getting behind them I mean partially because the crowd was so partisan um, but he played great tennis like he looked like he belonged the dude is ranked 400 something in the world like he really shouldn't be in a tournament of this stature like it's really he's yeah. riding Sitsi Pasta's coattails he held his own though yeah and then except in that second set he went slid to, get, to hit a shot and rolled his left ankle that was that was that was a bit that of a basically moment. took him out of the second set. Yeah, he took a he he clearly didn't badly injure himself, but it took him a minute to get yeah, in the so set. He, and he was I think he just got down two breaks. Or yeah, something. he was already out of that set. But I was I was so surprised that he came back in the third set and made it a real match. Yeah, they, there were no breaks in the third set. I believe they just uh, he lost the tiebreak pretty badly. But you know, I think sometimes with play, old um, with players that um, maybe. Um, ranked lower than their opponent they really try to like just play out of their skin and just go for their shots and go for too many high degree of difficulty shots but mm. but he somehow managed to play on right that on edge. The edge yeah yeah he was he was aggressive enough with his serve and he was yeah he was hitting some like attacking deep shots and staying in the rallies of Millman and yeah. Millman is like that's his jam he's a baseliner who can just hit from the ground all day. Milman was not missing, but Pervalarakis was staying in the point somehow. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I felt really, probably the most sad about a loss that I felt uh, in this year of tennis. I'm sure I will feel more sad about future matches, but Pervalarakis, you got a figure for a guy ranked in the 400s. He has one ATP win in his life, and his pri- career prize money is something like $23,000. Yeah, wow. It's like... That match, he's a nobody. Would have meant a lot to win. Mm, like yeah. he would have gotten his ranking, probably would have jumped 150 points. Yeah. And he'd have taken home an extra big check for him. 
So I, you know, I was just, just had this sense like, oh, this could be a big moment for this guy. And he's not like a kid. He's 23 years old, I think, 24. So, um, but you know, who knows? Maybe he just hasn't had the institutional support. And now that he's getting a chance to play with Stefanos, he gets elevated a little bit. Oh, he gets I more think, attention. I think it's going to do a lot for his game. Knowing that he can hold his own against yeah. someone in the top 50, it's going to be, he's going to be like, all right, I'm a pro. I, I can do this yeah. now. I'm going to, I think his confidence is going to go through the roof now. He's going to rise big time. I'd love to see it, but I think there's also this chance that we'll never see him again. Maybe. That's yeah. possible too. You will uh, spiral into the, the ranks, of the, like, you know, the never-ending graveyard of forgotten. Yeah. Forgotten players who had one moment, had yeah. that one moment in the sun on center court. Um, and I also thought it was weird, you know, I felt for him because he was probably playing some of the best tennis of his life, definitely on the biggest stage. Yeah. And the crowd wanted nothing to do with him. He would play, he would hit these spectacular shots and they were just like, eh. Yeah. There was a big, great contingency with the chance. You guys were trying to lead some chance we there. We did lead some chance. Pavalarakis. Pavalarakis. <laughs> there's another group of lads who were watching the France and Serbia match. Yeah, that we saw. yeah. That was a little, little surprise. Like mid, it was midnight, I think, and they just uh, all of a sudden. Nick Kyrgios and Entourage come in and start supporting Team France. <laughs> yeah, which is like, just we speculate just because Kyrgios hates Djokovic. Hates Djokovic. Yeah. And, and he was being uh, really mean about it. Kyrgios was just on his phone. He wasn't even watching the match. But then he just, then he yelled for France. I just yeah. It was kind of a bit mean. I was like, where was Nick that he just rocks up at midnight to He's watch? having a few frothies down <laughs> at the pub. <laughs> yeah. Which pub? Are there pubs in that area? I don't really know. I haven't seen a lot of Brisbane. You know, I went for a run. We went to the tennis. That's it. We're done. This is it. Yeah. We're going to bed, you know, last night on Vulture Street. And then um, and that's it. And we're going to... And then we go to Sydney. Go to Sydney, try and squeeze in the Tennis Tragic Slam, watch some more <laughs> ATP Cup in Sydney, which is going to be good. Going to quarters and semis. Yeah. Fun. Yeah, it looks like I'm going to see Rafa on Friday night with uh, some other friends. And then, uh, yeah, we'll be at the semis all day on, on Saturday, uh, which should be fun because it's like the stakes are very clear. We were talking in the cab, in the cab ride back, like the format, the like advancement schedule is totally unclear <laughs> like they don't make it clear on the website like they kind of hide the tables the standings and so we were like we were trying to figure out who actually advances because i thought for some reason that it was two teams per group but there were six groups and only mm. eight teams that advanced mm. so it's actually one per group and then two wild cards based on whatever sorting algorithm they've come up with yeah so, so far with a few matches still to be played canada and serbia is through yeah, no, but Canada, yes. The top, oh, oh, you're saying the wildcard teams. Yeah. Canada and uh, Belgium are currently yeah, the okay. two wildcard teams. But with some matches to be played. I, st I think Canada are going to get through. I hope they do. I want to see them in Sydney. Yeah. Um, 
Spain are looking good. Yeah, they'll be through. Spain's through. Yeah, they're already no, through. No, because then they have to play Japan. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Japan, Japan and Japan and Spain, Japan. either of them yes. could go. I still say they're through. through. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, basically, Rafa Nadal has to lose in singles. He's playing doubles too, right? Is he? I mean, he was a Davis Cup. I don't see why he wouldn't mm. here. I guess they have good options, right? Feliciano Lopez is there, mm. and they and they just have a deep bench in Spain. So, um, I guess I just I, I was I haven't been watching the Perth matches. Yeah, I've I yeah I watched so. a bit of the Rush Russia and I can't remember who they played now. I watched a couple of the Perth ones, but yeah, I haven't been keeping up with Spain at all. Well, once we started going yesterday, well, it's yeah. funny because we just started going yesterday. We've gone to two days of tennis, and it's just like overwhelming. <laughs> like it's just a lot of a lot of tennis. I mean, I've only seen I think eight matches in person, but it's it's harder to keep tabs of other stuff. Yeah, it's hard. So, it's so big because there's yeah. ten days. Yeah, and there's three ties going on at all time. Like that's that's why I'm playing. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I play for no team <laughs> it's getting late guys <laughs> today was a real grind for me I slept like four and a half hours last night it's, it's hard to do this and work that's why I'm taking that week off for the Australian Open and very much looking forward to that but uh, yeah so thanks for bearing with us and thanks for listening yeah more soon yeah it was so we're going to so much tennis soon yeah and we just we're going ham on the field recordings and all kinds of there's all kinds of crazy shit that we'd like to share but you know we had our first celebrity encounter (laughs) Um, fan fiction (laughs) yeah um, recreations of amazing press conference moments dramatic readings uh you know, interview with a disgruntled spectator. <laughs> um, we got you know special episodes about yeah players' uh, dramatic arcs and rivalries. We got big plans. This is how we end up in the podcast hall of fame. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get too Stefano Sitsipas about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs>